0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. For the last month or so, we've been talking about the 50th anniversary of the passing of John F. Kennedy, and I think we're going to make it uh, our last show on that today for a while, give it a bit of a rest, Because, well, next week is Thanksgiving, and that just wouldn't be an appropriate topic. Our second segment today, we're going to do a role reversal and bring on a guest to interview the host of the program about what we can say about this whole matter 50 years on. But let us begin today's program as we like to do with On This Date in History. Today is November 21st, not the 22nd. So we draw your attention to the fact that it was on November 21st in the year 1783 that three Frenchmen made the first untethered hot air balloon flight, flying five and a half miles over Paris in about 25 minutes. Their cloth balloon was crafted by French papermaking brothers, Jacques Etienne and Joseph-Michel Montgolfier. They were the inventors of the world's first successful hot air balloons. Yes, the first things that flew were made of paper. On November 21st in 1906, the Emperor of China issued an edict declaring an end to all opium traffic within 10 years. By some estimates, as much as half of China's population had either become opium addicts or were otherwise involved in the opium trade. This, by the way, was in no small part a gift of the British, who found this very convenient for their purposes. Sad to note that a century later, the drug trade is still a major player on the world economic scene. On November 21st in 1974, despite President Gerald Ford's veto, the United States Congress passed the Freedom of Information Act. Our quote of the day comes from Peter Gleick, who wrote an op-ed piece to The Bee a couple weeks back. He's the president of the Pacific Institute in Oakland and member of the U.S. National Academy of Sciences. Referring to this infamous Delta project we've been talking about for the past year on the show, Mr. Gleick said, Most scientists agree that a key to fixing the ecological problems of the Delta is to take less water out, not more. Boy, he he sure went out on a limb on that one. But no, we're actually in complete sympathy with this op-ed piece and recommend you look it up, dear listener. He points out that there are some questions that should have been answered long ago. For example, how much water will this new system take out of the Delta? The current answer, of course, is, um, we don't know. Leek goes on to, Say, well, why is that? Well, because future scientific studies will identify project yield. Great. Our quip of the day comes from an old Greek proverb, which is that a society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they shall never sit in. Our bonus quip of the day is from Jean-Paul Sartre, who once said, only the guy who isn't rowing has time to rock the boat. And you you just got to like that one. Our anecdote of the day is as follows. The journalist and social critic H.L. Mencken once posed the rhetorical question, if you find so much that is unworthy of reverence in the United States, why do you live here? Mencken then thoughtfully provided the answer, which was, why do men go to zoos? Our joke of the day, and it's an old one and especially apt for any conversations that stray into the question of the Kennedy assassination, is as follows. Truth is the most valuable thing we have. By all means, let's economize it. Our stat of the day, according to CBSNews.com, is that it's not just the American people who have been getting fatter and fatter. Our animals have been too. The National Pet Obesity Survey recently reported that more than 50% of cats and dogs, which is more than 80 million pets, are overweight or obese. Yes, just a little piece of advice for all of you idiots out there who think that if a dog's wagging its tail or a cat's meowing, you should feed it. Well, there are other reasons why the animal is trying to communicate with you besides a need for food. And that's an opinion we think probably does represent that of KDVS, our sponsors, at University of California. But since we're not sure, we'll have to qualify it by saying that it does not necessarily represent the views of any of those entities. Let's do a quick run through the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to the Week magazine, it was a good week last week for comebacks after Philadelphia voters elected a Whig to public office for the first time in 157 years. Robert Buchholz, who was elected to be a ward election judge, said the nation badly needed a third party that stood for pragmatic compromise. Well, we agree with Mr. Buchholz in principle, but we're not sure the Whigs are the answer. It was, on the other hand, a bad week last week for people who think Rupert Murdoch's a decent human being. And I guess I'll just quote from this blurb. Rupert Murdoch has found love again. The media magnate, age 82, has fallen for his massage therapist just a few months after filing for divorce from his wife, Wendy Deng. Friends told USA Today his younger employee has made him very happy. Now we have no way of knowing whether the massage therapist was providing Mr. Murdoch with a happy ending, but we do note that USA Today has also alleged that Murdoch first began planning his divorce in July 2011. You may remember this. Dung protected him from a pie-wielding protester during his testimony over phone hacking allegations before the British Parliament. Evidently, Rupert Murdoch felt the episode left him looking old and weak, I guess with with his wife fending off the pie thrower and all. So apparently her good deed was rewarded with divorce papers. Nice. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for, well, I don't know whether it's sportsmanship or sports betting or some combination, but apparently an Illinois man was arrested after he used a stun gun on his wife to settle a bet on an NFL game. Reportedly, John Grant, a Bears fan, and his wife, a Packers fan, agreed that whoever's team won could use a taser on the loser. So when the Packers lost, Grant tasered his wife three times. She then called the police, saying she didn't think the bet was serious. The local police chief apparently said, well, you you just couldn't make this up. All right, if we're going to make any kind of credible attempt to talk about uh, what happened to JFK 50 years ago, we're going to have to pause a little early. Meaning, I think, right about now. And uh, while I fully recognize that uh, trying to summarize in less than an hour what happened 50 years ago is an impossibility, we're going to give it a go anyway. So let's take an early break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Don't go away.